In this edition of Eusebius on Times Live, I actually wanted to engage directly with some content from a really interesting interview that Gayton McKenzie um, had done as leader of the Patriotic Alliance with my colleagues from the Sunday Time and in particular with Bram Mike, who is the anchor of the weekly Sunday Times Politics podcast. If you haven't listened to it, do have a look at it on timeslive.co.za. It's worth actually listening to the entire episode and his entire set of remarks in context. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. I'm not going to do a point-by-point engagement. There was a set of themes that came up that I think are interesting and worth exploring if you want to understand the man's politics. But I wanted to focus on one of the themes, and that is race. And there were two moments in particular that, for me, stood out. He talked about the genesis of his party and how it was explicitly meant to be a party for colored people before he came to the self-realization in his wording, that that is racist. And have a listen to what he had to say about that. But I also met our school, because I grew up in a colored community, mm-hmm. into the first march in Solidarity. And where was this? In Hedendal, in Bloemfontein. In Bloemfontein. In solidarity against black kids not having textbooks. And I was just frustrated, you know. I, I wasn't a dumb child, so I could see that uh, black people studying doesn't really take you anywhere. And I had a role model that was a gangster, and I got involved in crime at an mm-hmm. early age as a career choice. And came out of jail, started uh, started a business, became an entrepreneur, did very well. And then I just looked at it and I thought that, you know what, the community I'm from, the color community, they were not white enough during apartheid. Uh, now with democracy, they're not black enough. And I was like, you know what, the color child is truly the stepchild. And I want to help to bring the colored agenda to the table, not to dominate other agendas, but to be on equal footing with other agendas. And we started the Patriotic Alliance then only mm-hmm. for colored people, basically. Mm-hmm. But time and, and becoming a bit wiser made us change our stance and realize that it, it's racist to, to just be for one party. Mm-hmm. And that's how we started to grow when we involved all our other parties. Now that's kind of interesting. A little bit later, he also had a moment where he talked about six or seven different points that represent what he stands for. I really like the clarity because there's nothing worse than trying to figure out what a politician or political party actually stands for. If they are clear, then you can decide whether you like them or you don't like them, whether you agree or disagree. 
And on the question of race, which was the last issue that he gave an explicit view on, he had the following to say by way of why he would, if it was up to him, you know, his language, cancel race. Just have a listen to his precise wording in his own voice. The last thing I'll be doing is I will cancel race. The thing of I'm a Khalid, I'm an Indian. Mm. You know, let's be honest, and people don't want to hear this. How long are white kids still going to pay for the sins of their grandfather? Mm. That's why every white kid can't wait to finish school and we have a brain drain and they're leaving for other mm. countries. I am not saying the redress should stop. That's not what yeah. I'm saying. Mm. But surely we can't blame apartheid still. Japan managed to change the economy in 10 years. We are 30 years in. Mm. The ANC has not failed. They mm. failed dismally. Mm. I am saying that there will no longer be white, black, Indian, mm. and colored. We will mm. all be known as South Africans yeah. going forward. Yeah. That's the only way to build the country. Now, as a political analyst and someone who's written on race and continues to have a deep interest on race, there's a couple of points that I want to make that are my points as a commentator. Use them, don't use them, agree, disagree. On the first of the two clips that, that I've just played there for you, and I hope you can hear me clearly, by the way. I, I listened to this while I was in the car. So I'm in the car as I'm recording. That's why you might hear some natural sound around me. But on the first of those themes, I'm with him. I would have framed it slightly differently. I don't think it's inherently racist, in my opinion, to have a political organization that is based on the peculiar historical interest of a group that had been marginalized or continues to be marginalized. But I do think in the South African context, it would be imprudent politically and electorally to set up a political party that aims explicitly like your Ellen Hendrickson in the 80s to target colored votes and to aim at identity politics that specifically and exclusively appeal to colored people. I think it is important to recognize that our struggles are intersectional and that although there are colored specific experiences as a result of apartheid spatial planning, that means that linguistically, culturally, geographically, you still live in certain parts of a city that are the old colored only areas. I think nevertheless, the working class and the poverty struggles of people who are all excluded from opportunity in South Africa mean that there's a lot that colored people who live on the margins of South Africa have in common with black Africans, for example. And I think it's important to recognize those commonalities in our politics. I think that strategic alliances across our mutual interests is politically more savvy than reinforcing apartheid era and colonial era differences. And so I want to agree on the first of those two quotes from Gayton that it was smart to quickly pivot from appealing only and setting out to appeal only to colored voters to expanding what your party is about. I think we can debate on another day whether in the details of his political party he actually has managed to get that right. I'm not so sure whether he has. I think it was gaming a little bit there. But I think from a sort of top-line message point of view, I don't think a party will get very far if it exists only to appeal to Zulu people, ethnically, or for colored people, or Xhosa-speaking people. I think you've got to aim at a broader group of South Africans, and our interests cut across 
our differences linguistically, ethnically, and racially. And I, and I think that for me is where I would give him some kudos. But I'm afraid the second part of that, the two sets of remarks that I played back there from that episode with Bram Mike, I couldn't disagree with the guy more strongly. I mean, firstly, he is a bookworm, he's an author, he's super smart. I would have liked him to be teased out a little bit more to say what he means. And if anything, the kindest I can be is to say that I'm not sure if I agree or disagree because I think he needs to clarify some of his wording a bit more and maybe I'll invite him for the next one of the next editions of, of this podcast. When you say I'm going to cancel race, I mean, what the hell does that mean, Gaten? You know, I mean, you can speak Afrikaans. You and I are both Afrikaans. If English was just a clumsy way of explaining it, like, what does it mean to cancel race? You know, you know, race is not like ESCOM switching on your lights on and off, where you can just say, okay, I'm going to flip this button from now on. When you walk around, you're going to see inner beauty or inner ugliness, and you're not going to see racialized identities. The idea of cancelling race is at best vague, and at worst, I think, fanciful and incoherent. So I'd like more detail to understand what does it mean to cancel race. The second thing where I disagree with him strongly is this appeal. Oh, well, you know, young white kids, it's so unfair on them. For how long must they pay for the sins of their father? I mean, that's nonsense. If you look at the latest stats as a result, white men are the only category of South Africans who have single-digit unemployment that they enjoy. Even graduates in South Africa who have gone to university have got double-digit unemployment now at about 10%, which means if you are a matriculant and white and male, you have better odds of getting a job than a black African who's got a university degree. And so to pretend that a 20-year-old white child does not benefit intergenerationally from anti-black oppression during apartheid is to be completely blind to the empirical truth about life in modern-day South Africa. Gaten makes it seem as if the past ended in 1994 and that if a child was born in 1996, history has got no bearing on the odds of them being able to read in grade four for meaning, them being able to find a job after matric without going to university, and them not benefiting at all disproportionately if they are white from the social and economic scaffolding that comes from corporate South Africa being dominated by white bodies. And so sucking up to white people because you now realize a party is not going to get very far if it only appeals to working class colored people in Bloemfontein is disingenuous. I, as a black person, cannot believe that this person who is telling us every single day on Twitter that black people in South Africa suffer because of fellow black Africans coming to Yeovil and putting pressure on the labor market and on public services is sucking up to white people who, relative to black people, have a nice time in South Africa economically and now wants to tell us to please stop talking about race and to stop thinking that there's a connection between history and our experiences in 2023. I mean, I'm flabbergasted. I really hope the media picks up on the last portion of that interview with Bram Mike and that the followers and the supporters 
of his party, the Patriotic Alliance, listen to those clips. I mean, I, I you know, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or two back, actually, I was with my partner in PE. There was a conference being held there, um, and we went to a fish and chips store. There were lots of people with Patriotic Alliance regalia, T-shirts wearing. I chatted to some of them. They were very excited, and you know, they are fellow colored Afrikaans speaking people from the Eastern Cape and I think to myself I wonder what they would think if I had to play that clip for them where you've got the leader of the party the founder pretending as if the economy in South Africa is not one of racial capitalism and I think what we have in Gaten is someone who's prepared to say what he needs to say to a particular audience yeah, he thinks he is speaking to a broad Sunday Times audience, being interviewed by a black African deputy editor of the Sunday Times. And I bet you it's a very different conversation to one he might have in El Dorado Park if we were to put him on a community radio station there, speaking in Afrikaans in colored nomenclature to working class communities. And I think we've got to call out our politicians who are inconsistent or who change their messaging from one context to another. There are only two possibilities, and I'll put up end here for you to ruminate on my critique of him. Either he genuinely thinks that race doesn't matter, in which case he's no different to John Stiernazen and Alan Ziller, or he was being insincere, in which case you've got to ask yourself, do you want to elect politicians? that are not sincere and who chop and change their messaging depending on the audience.